You are listening to the audio podcast of Gethsemane Baptist Church, located in Long Beach, California, pastored by Eli Reynolds. Very much. Let's take our Bibles, please, tonight. I'd like you to go to the book of Isaiah, please, Isaiah chapter 7, Isaiah chapter number 7 this evening, and I am loving these Christmas songs. And uh, this time of year, it is, it says it on the screen, it is the most wonderful time of the year, in my opinion, ladies and gentlemen. I love it very much. Isaiah chapter 14 tonight, I was watching the Fantalion family sing, and I was just imagining what would have been like tonight if Brother Richard had sung with them. Because he's back here, I was like, who is in the Santa hat and beard and all that? Alina, Brother Michael, is that our deacon, Brother Richard? He's like, yeah, it is. All I can say, brother, is A+. I love it. Great. Thank you for doing that. <laughs> Isaiah chapter number 7. We need to help brother, brother DeHaro out, though. He's, he's lacking in some Christmas spirit right now, folks. I think he's, he's kind of Ebenezer Scrooge in it right now. I mean, it may be also that he's never done this before, and it's just, you know, new to him at church. Didn't want to run the wrong thing, but... He did wear Christmas socks, so I said, okay, all right, you know, so that's, that's good, that, that's a start there, but uh, uh, thank you for participating tonight. I hope you'll stick around afterwards um, and, and continue to have some hot chocolate and, and a cider and enjoy the boutique tonight as well. Chapter uh, 7 of Isaiah, there is an usher's tra- training meeting on the 17th, uh, this is a Saturday this month at 11.30 a.m., so ushers, please be here for that. All right, chapter 7 of the book of Isaiah. I want to look down at a little scripture here and take a very famous uh, part of scripture uh, or or passage in the book of Matthew in just a minute and talk about the term Emmanuel. I want to talk about Emmanuel, God with us. That's what Emmanuel means. And so we're going to look at that tonight and look at what it means for us. But look at chapter 7 of the book of Isaiah. The book of Isaiah is an incredible book. It's, it's like a mini version of the Bible. There's 66 chapters in Isaiah. There's 66 books of the Bible. There's uh, 39 books, uh, 39 chapters in the book of Isaiah deal with, you know, some punishment and things regarding Israel. But in chapter 40, the last 27, it deals with hope. There are 39 books in the Old Testament. There are 27 in the New Testament. Of course, you know, so uh, chapter 40 of Isaiah is like beginning the New Testament in the Bible. It's like a little mini version of it. And, uh, and it goes even deeper than that, but it's a beautiful book here. And there's a prophecy being given here in Isaiah chapter 7, verse number 10. The Bible says, Moreover, the Lord spake unto Ahaz, saying, Ask thee a sign of the Lord thy God. Ask it either in the depth or in the height above. But Ahaz said, I will not ask, neither will I tempt the Lord. And he said, Hear ye now, O house of David. Is it a small thing for you to weary men, but will you weary my God also? Therefore... The Lord himself shall give you a sign. Behold, a virgin shall conceive and bear a son and shall call his name Emmanuel. Take your Bible, if you would, go to Matthew chapter number 1. Matthew chapter number 1. I'm, probably this passage is familiar to you. Matthew chapter number 1. This is one of our Christmas passages that we look at very often. Matthew chapter number 1. We'll look at verse 18. 
The Bible says, now the birth of Jesus Christ was on this wise when as his mother Mary was espoused to Joseph, before they came together, she was found with child of the Holy Ghost. Then Joseph, her husband, being a just or a righteous man and not willing to make her a public example, was minded to put her away privily or privately. But while he thought on these things, behold, the angel of the Lord appeared unto him in a dream, saying, Joseph, thou son of David, fear not to take unto thee Mary thy wife, for that which is conceived in her is of the Holy Ghost. And she shall bring forth a son, and thou shalt call his name Jesus, for he shall save his people from their sins. Of course, Jesus meaning Savior. It's the New Testament version of the Old Testament name Joshua. And now all this was done, verse 22, that it might be fulfilled, which was spoken of the Lord by the prophet, saying, so he's hearkening back to the passage we just read in Isaiah, Behold, a virgin shall be with child, and shall bring forth a son, and they shall call his name Emmanuel, which being interpreted is or means God with us. So the sign was this virgin would, would have a child and would bring forth the Messiah, and it is about to happen in this passage, and he would be known as Messiah, or uh, Emmanuel, God with us. One of the most beautiful things about the Bible to me is, is the, the progressive revelation through Scripture of God through his names. He, uh, you know, it's in the book of, of Genesis that we learn as God the provider, but we, we learn that in Genesis chapter 23 uh, uh, or 24 in there when, when Isaac is, is about to be offered by Abraham and it says God himself shall provide a lamb, a sacrifice. And we learn there that, that he is Jehovah Jireh, the God that provides. We learn later that he is Jehovah Nisi and Jehovah Rapha and, and that he, uh, he, he is revealing himself throughout scripture. It's a beautiful thing to know the names of God, to know what it means uh, and what he does for us. Names are important. Uh, the Bible says in Proverbs 22:1, a good name is rather to be chosen than, than great riches and loving favor rather than silver and gold. So it, it's an important thing. Your name represents your family, it represents your heritage, it represents your reputation, it represents who you are. And so we're going to look at one of the names of Jesus tonight, a title really, of Emmanuel. Let's pray together. Father, bless, I pray, these next few moments that we're here tonight, and I pray that we would not only learn something academically, but that we would put things into practice that we're hearing, that you'd speak with us, that, that Lord, we would allow our spirit to be receptive to what you would have us learn tonight. In Jesus' name I pray, amen. I told this story, <clears throat> this joke, uh, uh, several years ago, but I brought it back out and dusted it off because many of you weren't here at that time, and it was a great joke, and I loved it. Okay, so here's the story. There was a, and don't beat me to the punch, all right, or anything like that, but uh, there was a, a, a church that was, uh, I don't know if it's a two-story or not, probably not, but it was celebrating its 200th anniversary. It's a long time. We've been in existence here, I think, for 48 uh, years. I think we just passed that, and uh, so that's a long time, 200 years. Well, they had this enormous steeple with, uh, with a bell in it, and the bell ringer, the guy who was used to doing that and knew what he was doing, was gone that day at a family emergency on the 20th, 200th anniversary, so he couldn't be there. So the pastor was looking for anybody, whether he knew him or not, just looking for anybody to replace the bell ringers. And finally he found, a, he called into a place and they sent a guy over. And so the pastor leads this guy up 150 feet to the top of their bell tower where the bells would have to be rung. When he gets up to the top, 
The man didn't realize how tall it was, gets a little woozy, falls face first right into the, into the biggest bell they had. He's dazed, he stumbles backwards, he falls off the ledge. The end. No, that's not the end. But uh, falls off the edge, and, uh, falls, and he's not hurt. He falls into an awning, and, and uh, he, does, he, he, he survives, but he's stunned. So the paramedics arrive, and they rush over to the pastor, and they say, Pastor, do you know this man's name? And he says, no, but his face sure rings a bell. Good night, ladies and gentlemen. <laughs> names, names are important. Names have meaning. And Jesus' name means Savior. That's an important name. Emmanuel is an important name. And, and uh, my, my name in Hebrew, my name is Eli. In Hebrew, I believe it means Jehovah is God. I, I believe if what I've looked at it is right there. And, and uh, I love that. I'm glad, I'm glad my name doesn't mean like devil man or something, you know, like, like you, you, know, you know what I mean? Like I'm, I'm, glad, I'm glad about the name that I have. And, and Jesus was going to be called Emmanuel, God with us. That doesn't mean that he would be named that, of course. He was named Jesus, but it would be his identity. He would be God in the flesh. Now, what does that mean? What does this show us about Christ, the name Emmanuel? I want to show you three things tonight uh, that, that we can glean from just this phrase here of Emmanuel, God with us. The first thing we see that it shows the, the deity of Christ. This name Emmanuel shows us the deity of Christ. Now, that may not be a name, a, a, a word that we're super familiar with. What's deity mean? We could also say the divinity of Christ or the, the, the godhood of Jesus Christ. What it means is that Jesus is deity. He is God. Jesus is God. That's what that means. In fact, when we're seeing here the name Emmanuel, we're seeing God with us. Not Jesus with us, but it was Jesus because he is God. And God with us. This is an important doctrine. I read a story about George Whitfield, who, of course, in the 1700s was a great evangelist from, uh, from, uh, from he's British, wherever that nation is, England, I guess. And, uh, and he, he was talking to a man about his soul, trying to see that he would trust Christ as Savior. And he said, sir, what do you believe? And the man looked at him and said, I believe what my church believes. And George Whitfield said, okay, and what does your church believe? And the man said, the same thing I believe. And George Whitfield says, and what do you both believe? And the guy says, we both believe the same thing. That's all he got out of the guy. And I, what I feel like is that sometimes in church we can be really confused about some of the important doctrines of the faith. And I don't want to skip over and just assume that we all know this. Jesus is God. We need to understand that. He's not created by God. He wasn't, uh, 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 you know, God's first creation. He wasn't a good man that just grew up and became spiritual. He wasn't just a prophet. He was God in the flesh. The three in one. We have uh, one God and three distinct persons. God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit. They're distinct, but they're one. See, I can't understand that. Yeah, that's the Trinity. Try to understand God. If you could understand God, I, I, you know, that, that's, that's uh, it's an impossible concept for us as humans. It's like trying to understand infinity. Uh, you know, it, it's, it's not something we can truly, fully comprehend, but it is important that we understand that that is biblical teaching. 
It's not just that Jesus is with us, but that God is with us. In Isaiah chapter 9, verse 6, there's a verse there we didn't look at, but it calls Jesus, wonderful counselor, the, the mighty God, the everlasting Father. It calls Jesus that. So Jesus is God. Colossians chapter 2, verse 9 tells us, For in him, in Jesus, dwelleth all the fullness of the Godhead bodily. He was here bodily. Take your Bible. You're in Matthew 1. Go to John chapter 1. And this is one of my favorite passages of Scripture. John chapter number 1. And if you ever run across somebody that says, Hey, you know, Jesus was just a prophet. Jesus was just a good man. Anything other than Jesus is God. Here's a great passage for you to use. Okay? I have people ask me frequently, Pastor, you know, can you teach us how to combat false doctrine? I'm probably going to do that. I'm probably going to do a series a little bit on that. But can I just say, when you hear verses like this, write them down. When I was uh, in, in Bible college, I took my Bible, and whenever there was a verse that dealt with something about doctrine, uh, like Jesus is God or baptism doesn't save you or whatever, I went to the back of my Bible, and I wrote down the topic, and I wrote down verses to back it up. These are great verses. John chapter 1, verse 1. In the beginning was the Word. Who's the Word? Jesus is the Word. Revelation 19 tells us that, and it's very clear from the passage that just this is Jesus. In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God. And the Word was God. The same was in the beginning with God. All things were made by Him, and without Him was not anything made that was made. Look at verse number uh, 14 tells us who this word is. And the word was made flesh and dwelt among us. Again, this Jesus being born of Mary. And we beheld his glory, the glory as of the only begotten of the Father, full of grace and truth. John bare witness of him and cried. And it goes on and on to talk about the witness of Jesus, that Jesus' deity is seen. And it's no mistake that we saw in this passage that he's saying, I want my name, I want him to be called Emmanuel, that God himself is with us here on earth. That's an important thing. Jesus did things only God could do. Jesus said things only God could say. He is God. It was important and it, it, that he was born of a virgin. If he wasn't born of a virgin, he would have had a sin nature that would have passed down through Adam's blood. And if Christ was born a sinner, then he could not save us from our sin. If he wasn't God, he, would have, he could have sinned, would have sinned. And if he could have or would have sinned, he couldn't save us from our sin. There's a, many of you would know the name C.S. Lewis. C.S. Lewis was the author of the Chronicles of Narnia. You may know that book series. I think they made some movies out of it. But he was the author of those books. He was a skeptic. He was, he was an atheist. But later on, and he was a brilliant man, and later on in life, he came to Christ. And I, I actually have a quote from his. It's running along, so I wanted to just read it to you. It's not very lengthy, but here's what he said. His reasoning of how he came to Christ and, and what it means about Christ. He said, I'm trying here to prevent anyone saying the really foolish thing that people often say about Jesus. They often say this, I'm ready to accept Jesus as a great moral teacher, but I don't accept his claim to be God. That, and he says this, that is the one thing we must not say. A man who was merely a man and said the sort of things Jesus said would not be a great moral teacher. He would either be a lunatic on a level with a man who says he's a poached egg, or else he'd be the devil of hell. You must make your choice. Either this man was and is the son of God or else a madman or something worse. You can shut him up for a fool, you can spit at him and kill him as a demon, or you can fall at his feet and call him Lord and God. 
But let us not come with any patronizing nonsense about his being a great human teacher. He has not left that open to us. He did not intend to. So the argument there is Jesus, because of what he claimed, he was either a liar, a lunatic, or he's the Lord. I think it's very clear that Jesus is Lord. He is Lord, and we worship him as Lord. It shows his deity. Can I say, secondly, the name Emmanuel shows the desire of Christ. Not only the deity of Christ, but the, the desire of Christ. Emmanuel, God with us. That's God's desire, to be with us. God had always been with his children. Think about that. In the Old Testament, pillar of cloud, the pillar of fire. He was directing and guiding. Then there was the Ark of the Covenant. I'm not talking about the one from Indiana Jones, okay? I'm talking about the real Ark of the Covenant. The Ark of the Covenant was a picture of the presence of God in the Old Testament, of God's presence with Israel. Uh, he was in the tabernacle. But now, in this passage, now God is in human form walking the earth. He's with us. God, Jesus, desired, and this is what's incredible to me, he desired to know what we go through, our pain, our sorrow, our struggles. We sang tonight, Jesus knew when he came, he would suffer in shame, he'd feel every pain and sorrow, but he left paradise, and with his blood he paid the price. My redemption to Jesus I owe. Wow. Why would he do that? Take your Bible, go to Hebrews chapter 2, please. Hebrews chapter 2. Hebrews in chapter number 2. Hebrews chapter 2, verse 16. Hebrews 2, 16 says this. For verily, or truly... He took not on him the nature of angels, but he took on him the seed of Abraham. Wherefore, in all things it behooved him to be made like unto his brethren, that he might be a merciful and faithful high priest in things pertaining to God, to make reconciliation for the sins of the people. For in that he himself hath suffered being tempted... He is able to succor them that are tempted. The word succor there means aid or help them. So he came. He experienced what we experienced. Look at chapter 4. Chapter 4. Verse number 14. The Bible says, Seeing then that we have a great high priest that is passed into the heavens, Jesus the Son of God, let us hold fast our profession... For we have not an high priest which cannot be touched with the feeling of our infirmities, but was in all points tempted like as we are, yet without sin. So he endured the temptation, and the, the verse says he was touched with the feelings of our infirmities. He knows sorrow. He knows pain. He knows hunger. He knows thirst. He knows poverty. He knows uh, a rejection. He knows discrimination. He knows it all. He experienced it, and his desire was to come be here with us and to be able to give us comfort, be able to give us victory, be able to give us help. It's one thing to be able to say, I feel for you. It's another thing to be able to say, I know how you feel. When I go to the hospital sometimes and visit people, and I've been to 
so many hospitals in the area around here. I cannot, many people that I go see, I, I really cannot honestly look at them and say, I know what you're going through. I, I can't do that. I've never been, I've never walked a lot of the paths that the people in our church that I go visit are walking. I, I don't know, I've never suffered with what they suffer with, what you suffer with. But sometimes I am able to say, hey, I know what you're, face, I know what you're facing, keep the faith. Stay strong, you know. I can empathize sometimes, and sometimes I can sympathize and say, hey, I, I know what this is like. And, and, and God, Jesus, can say to you, I know what you're going through. He can say that, why? Because he went through it here on earth. He suffered everything we suffer. God wanted to be with us. I think that's incredible. God with us, and he is with us. Some people just don't see him or recognize him. But the name Emmanuel shows his deity it shows his desire, but lastly, can I say, it shows his dedication. It shows the dedication of Christ, that God would be with us. It, it, I mean, it, you can see his love in his actions. And that's what agape love really is. It's love in action. His love for us. Jesus was willing to come down from glory, to endure, the Bible says, the contradiction of sinners, to die on a cross for us, that we would be with him someday. I, that, that is great dedication to be willing to do that, to, to be with us. But, but God, why did he do that? He came to be with us so that we might be with him forever and eternity. And that's an incredible thing to me. The cross was the worst way to die. There's no greater death. There's no greater suffering than, that anyone has ever suffered than what Jesus suffered on the cross. Carrying the weight of sin of the entire world on his shoulders and the most painful death ever imagined. And he did that, and he knew when he came. Jesus knew when he came he would suffer in shame. But he did that, why? Not just so he could be with us, but that, so that we could be with him one day. And I thank God for that. That's, that's the name Emmanuel. When we say Emmanuel, we sing about Emmanuel, we hear about God and Jesus, we to remember these things, that his name carries weight and means something. I read a, uh, I didn't read it on Facebook, but I, from what I understand, it was a Facebook post um, and it was about a, a, it was a while back, a, a couple had been married for 41 years, and, and uh, the wife was telling a story about long before that when they were first married, and uh, years before, the, this wife would, would make lunch for her husband every day, and sometimes she would come to his job site and join him for lunch, but she couldn't always do it, but, but one day she came to eat with him at lunch, and, and he said, lunch tastes better when you share it with someone you love. Oh, romantic, the man, you know, good on him, right? You know, that was, that's great. A few weeks later, while she was making his sandwich, she took a bite out of it, wrapped it up, put it in the, in the, in the lunch pail and let it go. When the man got home, you know, he said, you know, the funniest thing, somebody took a bite of my sandwich. And she said, uh, well, since I couldn't join you today, I took a bite so that you'd know I was with you. And so every once in a while when she would make that sandwich, now wives, you know, let's not get ideas here, okay? But, but every once in a while she would do that. She said, but I wouldn't do it when it was tuna or pinto cheese, but otherwise sometimes I'd take a bite out of that sandwich and wrap it up and send it with them to work. And the husband would say when he'd come home after, after seeing his sandwich that way, he would say, I saw you join me for lunch today, and it was great to have you. That's what he'd say. She wanted the husband to know that she was with him. Why? Because as he said, life tastes so much better when you share it with somebody you love. You know what? Our life tastes so much better when we share it with Jesus. It tastes so much better when we share it with Christ. Jesus is with us. 
And I want to just ask you are, you, are you sharing your life with him? Are you sharing your life with Christ? Is it Jesus and me for each tomorrow? Or is it me for six days and Jesus for one? Are you dedicated to Christ like he is to you? God is with you. But my question is, have you been with God this week? I'm glad you're at church. That's a wonderful thing. And hey, that's great. I'm thankful you're at church and you ought to be. And I'm thankful you were here this morning if you were. And I hope you'll be here on Wednesday and all of that. It's great. Keep coming to church. But have you been with God in the closet of prayer this week? Have you been with God alone in your Bible this week? You know, we want to be great Christians, but being a great Christian isn't just a Sunday thing. It's really what you do throughout the week. If you're walking and talking with Jesus Christ, and he is God with you. He lives inside. He is with you at all times. So let's make sure that as he's dedicated to us, we're dedicated to him. As it's his desire to spend time with us, hey, it's my desire to live for Jesus, to be with him. Let's make sure that we're doing that and just and reminding ourselves, have, God is with us. Have we been with God? God is with us. Have we been with God? He wants to share our life with us. Let's not try to do it alone. Let's try to live our life with Jesus Christ. Simple, quick message tonight. But I hope it's a blessing and something you think about. Father, I thank you for tonight. I thank you, Lord, that you are with us all the time. In our trials and tragedies and our sufferings and sorrows, you're there. In the good times, you're there. In the bad times, you're near. When we walk the valley of the shadow of death, you're with us and you comfort us. And I pray tonight, God, that you're with us, but Lord, I pray that we would be with you. Lord, I pray that, that we would be with you each day this week, that we would share our life with you. It would not be a life lived alone. It would be a life that we live sharing with, with Emmanuel, God with us. Our heads are bowed, our eyes are closed tonight, and we'll have some refreshments and things after church. But let's, first of all, take a moment to, to do business.